Section 22 of The Fairchild Family. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ruhi Huck. The Fairchild Family by Mary Martha Sherwood. Further Story of a Holiday the evening was very cool and pleasant when emily and henry went out to play mary bush had given henry a young magpie she had taught it to say a few words to the great delight of the children it could say good morning how do you do oh pretty mag mag's hungry give mag her dinner a bit of meat for poor mag to be sure the bird's words did not come out very clearly but it was quite enough, as Henry said, if he understood them. Mag had a large wicker cage, which was generally hung up on a nail in the kitchen, but her master, being very fond of her company, used often to take the cage down with the bird in it, and take it into his playroom, or hang it upon the bough of a tree before the parlour window, that Mag might enjoy the fresh air. Sometimes, too, Henry let the bird out, that she might enjoy herself a little, for as the feathers of one of her wings were cut close, she could not fly, and she was very tame, and never having known liberty, she was as fond of her cage when she was tired or hungry as some old ladies are of their parlours. Let us take Mag with us out of doors, said Henry, and the cage was taken down and carried out between the two children, whilst Mag kept chattering all the way and was, if anything, more pert and brisk than spoiled magpies generally are. They first went to the hut and set the cage on the bench, whilst Henry and Emily busied themselves in putting a few things to rights about the place, which had been set wrong by a hard shower which had happened the night before. There were a few fallen leaves which had blown into the hut from some laurels growing on the outside, and Henry said, I do hate laurels for they are always untidy and scattering about their yellow leaves when all the trees about them are in their best order. Whilst the children were going in and out after these leaves, to pick them up and throw them out of sight, Mag kept hopping from one perch to another, wriggling her tail, twisting her head to one side and another, and crying, Oh, pretty Mag! Mag's hungry! in a voice more like a scolding than anything else. "'What now, mistress?' said Henry. "'She is not in the best possible temper,' replied Emily. "'She wants to be out,' answered Henry. "'She does not like to be shut up.' "'But,' said Emily, "'it would be dangerous to let her out here, "'so far from the house and amongst the trees.' "'Henry was in a humour common not only to small "'but great boys on occasions. "'He chose just then to think himself wiser than his sister, "'and without another word,' he opened the cage door and out walked mag with the air of a person who had gained a point and despite those who had given way to her at first she strutted round the inside of the hut crying oh pretty mag with a vast deal of importance and then she walked out at the entrance trailing her tail after her like a lady in a silk gown she will get amongst the shrubs said emily and how shall we get her out of them never fear returned henry you know that she cannot fly 
one would have thought that the bird knew what they said for whilst they spoke she laid her head on one side as if turning an ear stood still a minute and then paraded onward i say paraded for if she had been walking at a coronation she could not have taken more state upon herself let us see which way she goes said henry and the two children walked after her emily bringing the light wicker cage with her mag knew as well that they were after her as if she had been what the country people call a christian meaning a human creature and she walked on not taking to the shrubs which grew thick about the hut but along a bit of grass plot at the farthest end of which was a row of laurels and other evergreens these trees hid the backyard of the house from the garden and a small portion of land near to it which mr fairchild had given up to flowering shrubs and ornamental trees behind these evergreens was a row of palings and as mag drew near to these laurels henry ran forward crying she will get through the palings if we don't mind and into the yard mag let him come near to her and then gave a long hop standing still he was only at arm's length from her then she gave a second hop alighting under a branch of laurel and when henry rushed forward to catch her there she made another spring and was hidden among the leaves stop stop cried henry stop there emily where you are and i will run round and drive her back and you must be ready to catch her and away he ran to the nearest wicket and was on the other side of the laurels and the paling in the fold-yard not a minute afterwards emily heard him making a noise on the opposite side of the shrubs as if he thought mag was between him and his sister among the laurels and he called also to her bidding her to be ready when the bird appeared emily watched and watched but no bird came out and not a minute afterwards she heard henry cry oh there there i see her going across the yard towards the barn come round leave the cage come quickly emily she obeyed the call in an instant down went the cage on the grass she was at the wicket and in the fold yard in a minute and there she saw mag pacing along the yard in her coronation step towards the barn being to all appearance in no manner of hurry and seeming to be quite unconscious of the near neighbourhood of her master and his sister hush hush whispered henry don't make a noise and the two children trod softly and slowly towards the side of the yard where the bird was as if they had been treading on eggs or groping through the dark and afraid of a post at every step they thought that maggie was not conscious of their approach though emily did not quite like the cunning way in which the bird laid her head on every side as if the better to hear the sound once again henry was at arm's length from her and had even extended himself as far forward as he could and stretched out his hand to catch her when his foot slipped and down he came at full length in the dust at the same instant maggie made a hop and turned to look back at henry from the very lowest edge of the thatch of the barn or rather of a place where the roof of the barn was extended downwards over a low wood house henry was up in a minute not heeding the thick brown powder with which his face and hands and pinafore were covered and emily had scarcely come up to the place where he had fallen before he was endeavouring to catch at the bird on the low ledge to which she had hopped 
but maggie had no mind to be thus caught she had gotten her liberty and was disposed to keep it a little longer and when she saw the hand near her she made another hop and appeared higher up on the slanting thatch after some little talking over the matter henry proposed getting up the thatch and how he managed to persuade emily to do the same or whether she did not want much persuasion is not known but this is very certain that they both soon climbed upon this thatch having found a ladder in the yard which john used in some of his work and having set it against the wood-house and from the top of the wood-house made their way to the roof of the barn now we shall have her cried henry as he made his way on his hands and knees along the sloping thatch and again his hand was stretched out to seize the bird when she made another upward hop and was far off as she had been when she sat on the edge of the thatch and he lay in the dust what a tiresome creature cried henry i'm sure she does it on purpose said emily only to vex us and there she sits looking down upon us and crying oh pretty mag i knew when she was in the hut that she was in a wicked humour let us sit down here a while said henry and seem not to be thinking about her let us seem to be looking another way perhaps she will then come near to us of her own accord we will try replied emily and the children seated themselves quietly on the thatch and if they had not been uneasy about the magpie would never have been better pleased with their seats but it might seem that mag did not choose to be thus passed over and not to have her friends busy and troubled about her for as soon as emily and henry had planned not to notice her and to seem to look another way she began to cry in her usual croaking voice how do you do sir good morning sir oh pretty mag mag's hungry what a tiresome bird it is said henry impatiently and emily began to coax and invite her to come near her holding out her hand as if she had something in it mag was not a bit behind in returning emily's empty compliments for she hopped towards her and very nearly within reach of her hand still crying good morning oh pretty mag emily now thought she had her and was putting out her arm to catch her when the bird turned swiftly round and hopping up the thatch took her station on the very point of the roof henry lost no time but turning on his hands and knees crept up the slope of the roof and was followed by his sister who was quite as active as himself they were not long in reaching the place where mag was perched but before they could catch hold of her she had walked down very leisurely on the other side and hopped off into the field henry was after her half sliding down the thatch but emily more wisely chose to go back by the wood-house as she had come and in a very few minutes afterwards they were in the field henry had never lost sight of his bird since he had found her in the fold-yard but he was none the nearer to catching her she waited at a respectful distance till emily came up between walking and hopping made her way across the field and perched herself on the upper bar of a gate the children were now in serious trouble because they were not suffered when alone to go beyond the bounds of the next field beyond the second field was the lane into which they had followed the pig on that unfortunate day in which they had been left under the care of john and if the magpie should go over into this lane what could they do 
they did wish to obey their parents this day in order however to prevent this misfortune henry did the worst thing he possibly could he began to run and cry mag mag with a raised voice whilst the bird as if resolved to torment him hopped forward across the other field perched herself on the stile and as he drew near flew right down from thence into the lane when emily came up there was poor henry sitting across the stile in the greatest possible trouble being more than half tempted to break bounds and yet feeling that he ought not to do it and there was mag walking up and down pecking and picking and wagging her tail and now and then looking with one cunning eye towards her little master as much as to say why don't you come after me here i am it is often by very small things that the strength of our resolutions to be good is tested henry was hardly tried yet strength was given him to resist the temptation and by emily's persuasion he was induced to wait a little before he ventured to go down into the lane and mag seemed as well content to wait or rather more so than he was the children were in hopes that some one might come by who would help them in their distress and they had not waited a minute before they could see two children just coming in sight at the very farthest point where the lane was visible from the stile these children were a very ragged boy without shoes stockings or hat about nine or ten years of age and a little girl worse clothed if possible than himself for her petticoat was all in fringes showing her little legs above the ankle they both looked miserably thin mag waited saucily till these had come nearly opposite the stile and then only stepped aside whilst henry calling to the boy told him his trouble pointing out to the bird to him and asking his help the boy looked towards the bird and then turning cheerfully to henry he said never fear master but i'll catch her for you and dropping the hand of the little girl he pulled off his ragged jacket and crept towards maggie cunning as the creature was she did not understand that she had a deeper hand to deal with than that of her young master she therefore let the boy come as near to her as she had let henry do many times during the chase and in this way she gave him the opportunity he was seeking of throwing his jacket over her and seizing her as she lay under it he has her cried emily and henry at once and the ragged little girl set up quite a shriek of joy yes i has her added the boy but she pulls desperate hard and would bite me if she could through the cloth suppose i wraps her in it and carries her home for you for we must not let her loose again hark how she skirls master and miss henry and emily approved of the scheme and the boy kept maggie in the folds of the old jacket and emily helped the little girl to get over the stile and the four children walked quickly towards the house when they had crossed the two fields emily ran forward to fetch the cage and the boy managed to get mag into it without getting his fingers bit after which henry and emily had leisure to ask the boy who he was for they had never seen him before he told them that his name was edward and that his little sister was called jane and that they had no father or mother but lived with their grandmother in a cottage on the common just by sir charles noble's park and that their grandmother was very bad and could not work but lay sick in bed and that they were all half starved and he was come out to beg miss and master added the boy for we would not starve nor see granny 
dying of hunger what a sad thing it is that stories of this kind are often told to deceive people and get money out of them on false pretences but emily and henry saw how thin and ragged these poor children were and emily thought of a plan of giving them a supper without taking what they gave from her father so she proposed her scheme to henry and he said that will just do i did not think of it emily then said to the children sit down here we will take naughty mag into the house and come back to you and she and henry were off in a minute they ran into betty and asked her what she had for their supper betty was shelling peas in the kitchen and she told them that she was going to cook them for her master and mistress and she said i suppose miss emily you and your brother will sup with your parents tonight but if you please we would rather have our supper now said emily that we would cried henry so please betty do give us something now then you must not have a second supper master henry said betty if i give you something to eat now very well betty replied both children at once but we would like it now instead of waiting later for papa and mamma so betty gave each a current turnover a puff and a slice of bread and some milk may we take our supper out of doors betty said emily if you please replied betty and she put the turnovers as she called the puffs into a little basket with two large slices of bread and two cans of milk and put the basket into emily's hands you have made beautiful ears and eyes to the turnovers betty said henry i always call them pigs when they are made in that way and they taste much better don't they master henry asked betty to be sure they do answered henry and away he walked after his sister so emily and henry gave their supper to the little children and they were very much pleased with them because when they had eaten part of the bread and drunk the milk they asked leave to take what was left home to their grandmother emily fetched them a piece of paper to wrap the puffs in and then she and henry watched them back into the lane and afterwards walked quietly home to be ready when their parents and lucy should come back end of section 22